and thank you so much, Catherine and David. Um, good morning, everyone. Happy homecoming week once again. Um, I don't know about you, I'm excited to see who's going to end up with the Curitan Cup. And who, who competed last night? Volleyball? Anyone? All right, that's going to, oh, wow, not a lot of you. Okay, so get out there. Get out there. Um, there's, some, there's some more fun activities happening. A lot of great things happening this week. Uh, real briefly, um, before I introduce this morning's speaker, I just want to mention tomorrow night um, is uh, really an unprecedented type of gathering of prayer that we've, I don't know if it really ever has happened here on this campus, um, and it's a service of lament, and so it's a, it's a journey, um, a commitment to a journey of, of reconciliation towards unity, and it's taking a, a historical look back as a community and recognizing, acknowledging, and confessing and repenting specifically of all the ways that we've misrepresented Christ to one another. But as in uh, biblical, true biblical lament, it leads us to that position of hope and further equips us to live out as ones who are reconciled to Christ, but actually live that out with one another. And so tomorrow from 7 to 8.30 p.m. in Nass Chapel, um, we're going to be um, hosting this service, and it's going to be uh, led uh, in large in part by our senior leadership team, Dr. Kierden, uh, well, members of the board of trustees that will be here, um, and students that are uh, there, you'll receive spiritual development credit as well. So um, if you haven't um, put that on your calendar, I really want to make, make, encourage you to make that a priority um, as it will be a really, um, really a monumental moment, I believe, in, in the life of our community. So um, this week we've had uh, the great pleasure of hearing some, from some incredible alumni and really uh, testifying to God's grace and faithfulness and is the legacy of this community at Northwestern. And today um, uh, we have one, one last incredible alumni that we're going to be hearing from. And this morning, uh, Ellie Hope Herringshaw, um, a graduate of 2012, founder of Hope Reclaimed um, uh, Ministries. She also co-owns a photography company. Uh, she'll be shooting Homecoming, so you'll see her today for those of you, and then you'll also probably see her throughout the rest of this week and this weekend. She's currently standing in, in Honolulu, Hawaii, for several months where she's writing, podcasting, and seeking God for the future of her ministry. Uh, she's also... Uh, and I love this identity statement that she's going to be sharing about identity and speaking that into our overarching theme that we're exploring this fall. That she lives as a reclaimed daughter of the king who, is, uh, who lives to bind up the brokenhearted and proclaim liberty for the captive. So please would you bring a warm Northwestern welcome to Ellie Herringshaw. And if you would, as we always do, um, let's pray for Ellie and for ourselves uh, as she shares with us this morning. So Father in heaven, we thank you and praise you that you are the one who is our deliverer and that we can stand in the glory of your presence together. Father, thank you for bringing one of your beloved daughters, Ellie, here, not just as an alum, but as one of your servants. And I pray that she be a pure channel of your grace to flow through that as she communicates your truth um, through, through the vessel that you have <laughs> reclaimed her to be as your daughter, that we would receive the truth in, good, in, in, soil, uh, in hearts of good soil and that it would produce fruit. And Lord, that you, you would do a reclaiming work in each of our lives through the rest of our time here this morning. We love you and we pray this all in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. I received that. Whoa, this is so cool. <laughs> you guys, I am.
I'm a Northwestern alum, and um, like many of you, I sat right where you're sitting and um, definitely didn't do my homework during chapel. I would never do that. Um, but I'm super honored to be here, especially during homecoming week, because this is obviously such a, a cool time for the community to come together and have some awesome school spirit. And I'm just really blessed. Thank you guys so much. I am, um, like I said, I'm an, I'm an alumni here. I graduated in 2012, did a lot of theater up on this stage. Yeah, that's right, very cool. Um, I'm not gonna be singing and dancing. Um, well, actually, I can't promise that, but um, that's not the plan today. But I was actually a communications major here, and um, so, any communications majors? Yeah. So I like to say that I use my degree every day. Communicating, yeah. So it was a very useful degree. Definitely recommend it. <laughs> but I actually really loved my time at Northwestern. It was a really great um, three years that I spent here. And I'm incredibly grateful for the time that I was able to invest not just in my education, but also in my spiritual formation. It was a time of really um, learning about who I was and solidifying what I believe about who God is and who he is for me. And I love that you guys are doing this series right now on identity. Because if we don't know who God is, then we can't know who we are. If we don't have an idea of who he is, that he is a good God, that he is a healing God, and that he's a redeemer, then we will never know who we are. And it was a time at Northwestern that all of these things were taught me. I, was, I, was, I learned all of those things, that God is good, that he's a healer. I learned them throughout my life growing up in the church. But there's a time where the rubber really meets the road in our lives, and we are forced to examine, do I actually believe the stuff that I'm being taught, that I have been taught? And if you guys haven't faced that in your life yet, you will. But definitely in a room this size, many of you have gone through the hard stuff. You guys have walked through the fire and the rubber has met the road in your life. And you're forced to believe, do I actually do I actually believe what's being taught me? And I'm so grateful because when I was at Northwestern, I, I hadn't really faced the fire. And all of it was taught. And then it was put to the test later in my life. So one thing that I did in college, I got married. <laughs> I did. I got married. I got married in college. Um, I married uh, a man that I loved a lot. He was talented and attractive and funny, and we had so much fun together. I got married in, um, well, I got engaged in when I was, when, when uh, classes were going on. I remember getting engaged on a Saturday. And on a Monday, I was sitting here in chapel, and I was sitting that carousel over there, maybe like the third row up, yeah. 
And the light in there is so good, you guys, because I was just looking at my ring and it was, I don't remember anything about that chapel. I'm, I definitely didn't listen to that chapel speaker. <laughs> definitely not. I was just looking at my ring. I was like, oh my gosh, this thing is the best thing ever. And just so overcome, so excited for my future. And fast forward a couple months later at a beautiful day in June, I got married. My colors were marine blue and yellow. And I planned this wedding um, while I lived at home in my parents' basement. I wore a gorgeous vintage gown, as you can see, and my grandmother's veil. And I walked down the aisle that day and I vowed to love and honor and cherish him. I vowed to be faithful to him. And he said those words back to me. And that night I gave him the purity ring that my parents had given me when I was 14 years old. I moved out of my parents' home at the ripe age of 20 and I moved into the home that he had bought for us. This gorgeous home, half acre, corner lot, yellow house built in the 1930s. And get this, it had the white picket fence. That was my life. I knew it wasn't perfect, but it was the white picket fence life that I loved so much. I loved this man, and I loved the life that God had given me. And five and a half years into our marriage, I faced that fire that tested what I believe about God and what I believe about myself. Five and a half years into our marriage, I discovered his affair. I came on this information and I was completely shocked. I confronted him immediately and I just saw the pulse pounding out of his neck he was caught. And knowing this, I said, I forgive you. And I will choose to forgive you every day. A promise that I didn't always live up to. I prayed and I asked God, Lord, help me do this right and give me strength. And that was a prayer that I would hold on to for the next months and even years. He disclosed to me that the affair was extensive and that it was serious. And that it began before we were even married. While I was sitting in this chapel, he told me that he didn't love me and that he loved her and that he didn't mean his vows. I was completely devastated. And it was all of this knowledge, all of this information, I, I still stood on what I had learned in school, in Sunday school, in college. That God is a good God. That God is a healing God. And he's a redeeming God. And so I held on to hope. 
that God would bring restoration in my marriage. And I, I had no reason to believe there would be anything other than that. I'm the betrayed one. I, I want restoration, therefore that's going to happen. And that takes two willing parties. And that's not what my ex-husband chose. So I waited for a time, and I took a very painful step of filing for divorce. And when I realized that restoration was not going to happen in my marriage, that reconciliation was not going to happen, I had to hold on to hope that God would bring restoration to me personally. Because we cannot and we won't experience true healing if we don't have hope. If we don't have hope that God is who he says he is and that we are who he says he, who we, who he says we are. So again, we know that God is a good God, right? God is a good God. We see in Romans 8.28, a scripture that many of you know. God has worked all things together for good, for those that are loved and are called according to his purpose. Now, does that mean all things are good? That's not a rhetorical question. That does not mean all things are good. But God is faithful to work all things together for our good. John 10.10 10 says that it's the enemy's job description to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus has come that we may have life and have it abundantly. This is not a, uh, this is not a new scripture for you. I, I've heard you guys have talked about this passage. So if there has been something that has been stolen, killed, or destroyed in your life, I want to argue that that is not the work of Jesus. That that's the work of the enemy. But God is so faithful to bring good out of those things that have been stolen, killed, and destroyed. I knew all of this cognitively. I knew it. How was I going to live that out? I knew that God is a healer, that according to 1 Peter 2.24, that by his stripes we have been healed. That's not just in our bodies, that's also our spirits, that's also our soul. That is a holistic healing, that that healing has happened 2,000 years ago as Jesus was whipped for us, for that healing that has been extended 2,000 years ago. So that means, okay... I'm healed. And we know that God is a redeeming God. That God has healed us and he has saved us from the power of sin and death. That as we have taken this road of destruction in our own lives, he is so faithful to course correct and reclaim us when, we are, when we've gone astray. This is cognitively what I knew. How is this lived out? And why don't I feel it? So I was going through a divorce. I was, I moved out of this beautiful home 
that was with the white picket fence and the corner lots. And at 26 years old, I moved with my dog back into my parents' basement, where six years prior, I had planned my wedding. And it was sitting there. I was sleeping on average three to four hours a night. I was having daily panic attacks. And I was so depressed. And I reached a major low when I engaged in a rebound relationship with a man that was showing me affection and I just wanted to feel better. And it was all of this that I would still read this book. And I would say, Lord, how does this pertain to me? If you're who you say you are, let's go. Let's go. Let's do it. And I would read passages in scriptures like, like um, Mark chapter 5. Oh, well, Mark chapter 5. Verse 20, starting in verse 24. And a great crowd followed him and thronged about him. There was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years and who had suffered much under many physicians and had spent all she had and was no better but rather grew worse. She heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garments. For she said, if I touch even his garment, I will be made well. Immediately the flow of blood dried up and she felt in her body she was healed of her disease. And Jesus perceived in himself that power had gone out from him. Immediately turned about in the crowd and said, who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, you see the crowd pressing around you and yet you ask, who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling, fell down before him, and told the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. In this passage, we see examples, an example of who God is that he's good, that he's a healer, and that he is a redeemer. So, how does this actually live out? I would be driving around the Twin Cities, and I was constantly reminded of my pain. I was working full-time, and I would drive to work, and I would pass places like the Flame Burger. <laughs> yep. Is anyone familiar with the Flame Burger? Okay, yes. You guys, this place is a greasy spoon. It's open 24 hours a day. You guys are college students. I get it. Go check out the Flame Burger. It's close to here. <laughs> but I have memories of the Flame Burger with my ex-husband. I went to the Flame Burger when we were dating. I got French toast. He got eggs and hash browns, and we drank the really nasty coffee, and our relationship grew at the Flame Burger. 
And I would drive past the flame burner on Rice Street in 36, and this pain would well up in me. And I would think, oh my gosh, I can never go back there again. I can never go back there again. My house is gone. My marriage is gone. My, my life is nothing like it was supposed to be. And now the flame burger is stolen from me. Awesome. And the list of places like the flame burger grew and grew and grew. And everywhere I went, I was triggered. I remember calling a friend and being like, I have got to move. Because I cannot go anywhere without this pain just welling up in me. And I, I'm just constantly reminded about my broken relationship and how my life just is not the way it's supposed to be. And I was sitting with the Lord one day, crying out to him. And I just, I felt him so clearly. And he said, Ellie, by... Avoiding the flame burger, you're living in fear. By avoiding the flame burger, you are taking on a victim mentality. By avoiding the flame burger, you are not living into your identity as a chosen daughter of the king who is reclaimed and healed. Rosie. <laughs> Convicted. So I went back to the flame burger. We can go to that next slide. I went there with a friend and with my family, and I sat in a familiar booth, and I ate the French toast, and I talked openly about why it was so hard for me to go back to the flame burger. I talked about the love that we shared there, that the love was real, that, that my love and my devotion to him was real. And it's hard to go back there because it doesn't feel real anymore. And I reclaimed the flame burger. Yeah. <laughs> and I felt so excited, like this picture right here. I was so enthused. <laughs> and so, I was so empowered by this experience that I made a spreadsheet. Yes, I'm that person. Yep. I made a spreadsheet of all the places and the things that held that pain. All those things that I was avoiding because of my pain. And one by one, I went back to them to take them back for myself. To live into the fact that I have been healed and redeemed by a good God. So my definition of reclaiming is identifying a fearful, painful internal reaction to a place or thing that holds a memory, choosing to face it head on and create a new positive association. So for me, this means that if there is something that feels painful and fearful, and if I feel like I'm avoiding something, I wanna choose to step into that thing head on and create a new positive association, a new memory in that place. Not just going back or listening to a song to just grit my teeth and make my way through it, but to step into that pain and allow the healing to take place within that place. So I reclaimed a lot of things. 
I went on um, about 150 reclaiming events in a year in my spreadsheet. I reclaimed, um, I reclaimed restaurants and, we, and park benches. I reclaimed cookies and food. I reclaimed um, music venues and musicals and songs and entire cities. I went to New York City for the sole purpose of reclaiming it. And I reclaimed skydiving. Yeah, yeah, it was awesome. <laughs> but all these things that I did, it was my intentional way to step in and claim and reclaim the healing that Jesus has already extended to me. Because there are many of you who are sitting in this room who have faced the fire. And if you haven't yet, you will. You've gone through it, and the rubber will meet the road in your life, and you'll be forced to believe and forced to examine what you believe. Is God actually good? Is he actually a healer? Is he actually a redeemer? Jesus has already reclaimed us. 2,000 years ago on the cross, he saw a painful internal reaction to us, the sin in our lives. He saw that and he stepped into it and he created something new. He created something new and he has made you new. How is he inviting you today to step into that and live? Live like you actually are reclaimed. I just want to pray. I want to pray right now. Lord God, you are so good. You are such a good and faithful God. I just thank you for each and every one of these individuals here. That you have redeemed us, that you've reclaimed us. Lord, I thank you that nothing is too big for your cross. Nothing is too big for the perfect work that you have done 2,000 years ago. Those of us that are dealing with depression, with, um, with debilitating depression, like, like the worst depression you've had in your entire life in the last month, I thank you, God, that that is not too big for your cross. I thank you for your healing power for that in Jesus' name. For those of us that have faced betrayal of a friend, family that has gotten divorced, for broken relationships and breakups that feel debilitating, for those people that are even sleeping with a friend to try to feel better about yourself, I thank you that nothing is too big for the healing power that you have already extended to us. In Jesus' name, we receive that today. We praise you that you are so good, Lord. You are so good and so faithful. I just pray a special blessing over these students, these individuals here. We thank you and we praise you for the finished work. The finished work of your son. Pray this all in your holy and precious name. Amen. Thank you guys so much.
Thank you.